Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we've got an interesting story of a guy who's in love, just got married, he's got a lovely Russian wife, and there's problem in Denmark, you could say, or Norway. But he's going to tell his story. So how are you? Uh, it's nice to have you here today, Bob. Thank you, man. Thank so you. So tell us, what's your story? What's the story, mate? What's oh, the story. So yeah, just arrived, and uh, I've been in Georgia in yeah Georgia for about six months now. So back in February, when the war between Russia and Ukraine broke out, when Russia violently invaded Ukraine, my wife was living in Moscow. She was waiting to come to the UK with me to live. We got married last year. On February the 24th, the war broke out and very quickly she had to pack up as much as she could and flee to the nearest country, which at that time was Georgia. She So she's in Russia. She's in Moscow. And she, why did she, um, what I'm understanding, why did she need to leave? Well, the simple answer is that she, along with millions of other people, were terrified, you know, she, this happened, Russia invaded Ukraine and immediately the sense, I've, I was traveling back and forth between London and Moscow in the last couple of years, the real, the sense of the regime there is, you know, it's always been a case where people know that it's a fascist regime led by Vladimir Putin who essentially he is right now sort of repeating the belief structures of Stalin he believes okay. that he's rebuilding the Soviet Union. So, sorry, to get back to why yeah, why my wife would leave, why people would leave, she left because she was terrified. I mean, almost overnight, her bank cards from Moscow were completely invalidated everywhere on the planet. So she couldn't go anywhere and have use her card. She lost everything. The price of, she owns an apartment, a very small apartment in Moscow. The price of her apartment dropped, God knows, 50% overnight and if you remember the news, countries started blocking Russians from traveling there. Uh -huh. You know, they, they became vilified. So she wanted to get out to be with you before it shut down. Then. Yeah, we were, exactly. Yeah, oh. We were planning to get like the spousal visa for her to move here, do the application a little bit slowly, you know. So how does England look at that? Do, do they say she's a Russian so we're not taking her or what do they say? So, no. Britain, England is not stopping Russians from traveling here. However, right now, the visa application process is doubled at least. So right now we've been waiting five months for the confirmation of her visa when it should have taken less than three. And she's essentially just stranded in Georgia right now, in Tbilisi, the capital where we've been living. She moved out in March, I mean moved out. She fled, she got the first flight she could, mm -hmm. which actually went to Armenia. And then she was driven from Armenia across the border, yeah, in the middle of the night, to Georgia. And that's where she's been. So you go back back and forth from Russia all the time, yeah? I have been, yeah, the last couple so of years. talk us through, what's it like when you get, like, I hear some interesting stories about when you go into customs and yeah. they will come to the airport and uh, there's guys in leather trench coats <laughs> kind of things and big guys. Is it like that? What's your version of it? My version is there is the sense of what we've seen on TV, in movies, in spy thrillers over the years. You know, like what I think probably you and I have grown up thinking is that exactly it's like trench coats, dark rooms, you know, 
guys with you know cigarettes and a lamp and you can see the smoke and they're checking papers and it's all very Franz Kafkaesque. and like for me the first time I ever arrived in Moscow I, first time I went was 2017 or 2018 and I had the same I was kind of excited but really scared actually I don't speak Russian I didn't understand the language and again in short answer to your question no it's not you know it's not secret police and trench coats but it is the authorities are scary man I was there in 2019 when some riots not riots sorry protests were happening I'm an artist and a composer so I do like projects in galleries and with musicians and stuff I was there doing a project in the center of Moscow Moscow is a beautiful city the architecture is insane the transport system makes London look like complete crap I mean it's like the health system is incredible for all intents and purposes it's a hyper modern city on the surface but then when I was there so it works Russia works Moscow works Moscow works on hyperspeed you can get anything delivered at any point 24 hours a day across the city you can get taxis anywhere everything is unbelievably cheap you can get any kind of food from all over the world for all intents and purposes it looks kind of liberal kind of open so Putin's done something right then in getting that city working because he's been in power for how long 20 years around 20 years yeah. what I now know is that essentially that regime made a kind of silent deal with the Russian people they said to them we will give you 24-hour deliveries we'll give you Zara we'll give you Hugo Boss we'll give you all these things slightly cheaper than everywhere else but you just let us do our thing and you don't get involved in politics and so when that first happened everyone thinks okay right fall of the Soviet Union okay bring me my McDonald's and that's exactly what they did they gave him McDonald's they gave him Hugo Boss they gave him Zara but then at the same time more and more over the years they were taking away more human rights they were stopping people from legal protests just oh, chucking them in jail sounds like here now you heard exactly. about that and <laughs> France and France yeah, yeah you exactly think about that if you six people or more protesting you can be told to move along yeah. <laughs> or arrested yeah. yeah 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 so but imagine okay so let's set the scene then imagine that imagine next year 10,000 people go out in Hyde Park to protest when these people go out this is what I experience these people go out on the street silently placards whatever people of all colours all creeds all ages all genders yeah. whatever they're met by what I can only describe as thousands of robocops yeah. with like they are decked guns they've got like helmets on Devices, and they, they are beating people yeah. they are chasing people away down the street and they're throwing them into buses and these people are just disappearing Going to the old, what's it? What's not the, what's the gulags, but the yeah, gulag. that's the old story. <laughs> that's but no, 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 the no. old gulag. No, I mean, the truth is, to put it simply, man, it is a mm. very backward sense of, but what, you, you know, you, you know what? It's funny because we all, we live in the same country and, and all that kind of thing, but I can relate to that kind of protest here and the way the police has handled my people. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. So kind of when I hear people like you, fair enough, you're telling your story about Russia, but I kind of look like, well, my experience haven't been too much different yeah. here. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're not going, they're not making it any easier for anybody now. No, they're not. No, yeah. They're not. So, yeah, but it's interesting to hear your story and that. So you, you said you're a musician. 
musician yet. Tell us about that. Where can, furthermore, where can people find you if they want to hear your music? Uh, oh, no, wait, I'm going to have to cut this. The no, 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 I'll <laughs> happily give my name. It's Cameron Graham. So, Cameron Graham. Yeah. And what kind of oh, instruments do you play? So I play drums. For years I've played drums. I oh, session. Okay. I was like when I was living in London ten years ago. I was sessioning for sort of some hip hop bands and some okay. rappers that I studied with. And then I dropped out of that because I took up composition. I became a. I, I studied classical composition. Oh, I wanted okay. to figure out how music worked. Like rather than being the drummer, the guy at the back of the room, where everyone just like you know clicks their fingers and says right, just playing time, get on with it. I kind of got really interested in okay. you know. Do you regret that? No, I still play, man. I still play a lot. Um, no, do you regret leaving the, the rap kind of thing? And totally, just absolutely, man. Because, I mean, I, I... Have you heard of Alpha Mist? No, I'm terrible with music. Okay, anyway, music, but, yeah. like, yeah, no, I mean, there are some truly, truly, truly unbelievably talented people that I was working with who are London-based, and they are, like, rising, you know? They're doing incredibly well. Wait, how come well. that's East London? Alpha Mist, yeah. I mean, he's touring the world now. He's got a label, yeah. And I was fortunate enough to work with him very for a very very short amount of time. We did some studio sessions together and stuff. I just, I honestly, man, I, I fell out of it not because I wanted to, but I, my focus was moving a little bit in a different direction, you know. Oh, fair enough. You follow uh, where your heart. That's what motivates you. Yeah, absolutely. In absolutely. That respect. So you've been playing the drums from what age? About 14, 15. And who bought you your first drum set? Me. Really? Yeah, saved up the money. And yeah. then what did dad and mum say when you uh, had that banging? Mum said, proud of you, do whatever you want. Dad said, is it going to make you any money? And it's been that, you know, I'm 33 now. And it's just still that with music, you know? <laughs> like, oh, you're doing a project. How much money is it? No, you know, it's like, okay, so you're doing a project, you're not getting paid. Right, great, great, great. What a son I've got, you know, it's that kind of thing. Are you an only child? No, I'm one of, well, one of two from the same parents, one of four, dad's first wife, he had two, yeah. next wife, my mum had two. How now many we, siblings you got in total then? So th three, so a uh, half brother, half sister, and a full sister, I guess you could say. And then also I've now got a stepbrother, stepsister, because dad decided he, you know, wanted to get shacked up again, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like five or seven of you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> so any of your siblings talented as well? Not at all. I'm the only, only creative artistic one in the and family. So what about your mum? Your mum and your dad are creative? Business. Dad was business, retired now. Mum was also business, but yeah, creative. She did these kind of, you know, creative consultancy gigs where she'd go into companies and throw a juggling ball at the director and be like, right, figure out what to do with that. You know, she'd go into a room with a bunch of corporate types and have a flip chart and a whiteboard and draw pictures of clouds. And, you know, she'd, yeah, she's creative, but she was always in business. You know? So no, I'm the only musical and artistic one. No one knows where I got it from full-on odd sheep in the family you know okay. <laughs> so, yeah. what is it about drums that motivates you that you love rhythm rhythm movement i first encountered drums in the gambia where my mum was living in west africa okay and yeah i first encountered like a drum circle i can't remember what age i was and so there's plenty of tribal drums oh yeah i mean yeah. My sort of rhythmic roots come from being lucky enough to encounter like drum circles and mm. yeah, yeah. Because I saw a picture one time in for Ghana mm -hmm. and there's these drums and you needed a stepladder 
a ladder to get up to the drum. Right. And there's massive. They imagine you this car, you yeah. turned it on its on the boot and stood it up. Right. That's how big the drum was. And there was like two of them and there's this man, I don't know what he's standing on, and he's got these long sticks like sledgehammers, yeah. but with the the thing for the drums, the right, cushion right. for the drum. And he's playing that in this kind of football pitch area for the king. Wow. And I was just like, whoa, man, this goes deep. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, this kind of goes deep. Imagine standing inside that drum when it's hit, man. Wow. <laughs> well, everybody knows he's drumming when he's in the stadium <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who's your ideal drummer? If you could work with any drummer, who's, your, who's the person who you look up to? You think, I'd love to drum with him. Well... I'm just going to say it, and it sounds arrogant, but there was a guy I really looked up to more than anyone. His name is Seb Rochford. He's a drummer. He's a London-based drummer. He leads a band called Polar Bear. He plays with everybody. He is, to me, the most tasteful and the most well-versed, nuanced, sexy-sounding, gentle but loud. He epitomizes what drumming is to me, and I sort of studied him. You know, I studied everything of his playing for years and got to a point where I felt like I had kind of moved in my own direction. So I kind of, he was who I really looked up to. There's also a drummer called Chris Daddy Dave, American drummer who played with Robert Glasper, who's a, like a jazz band leader. He, another sort of drumming hero, I guess. So those two, probably. And Sheila E. I grew up a little bit on Sheila E. Do you remember Sheila E? She played with Prince. Okay. She was badass. I never, you know, I don't know much about drumming, but I didn't really hear of too many female drummers, but it's just interesting. So, what I was thinking is, how much does a drum set cost? A good one. Um, and how long did it take you to learn the drums? To So, drum sets, I don't know, about 400 for like, you know, pretty usable, probably less. I mean... I buy everything of mine on eBay and Facebook now. I don't buy new stuff anymore. I make my own drums. But, I don't know, 200 quid and how long? Mm. I mean, I taught myself. So within a year I was Mm. playing in bands and stuff, you know. It's all about dedication, man. And and it's all about if you've got the sense of rhythm, you know. Do you play the the bongo drums, like those tribal drums? Djembe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I play djembe. You see them in the nightclubs, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I play djembe. I play Turkish drums, Vietnamese drums. I've got... So you're really um, into this, aren't you? Yeah, man. Yeah, so you go around the world and just say, so your house is just gonna, it's like full of... You have a drum room. I you have, have a library, um, you have to, a drum room. To, to make this story slightly more interesting, I live in a caravan, actually. Okay. <laughs> so I live in a caravan on the south coast. That's my home. Okay. Does the Russian lady know it? You know, she they, does, they yeah. Have she standards, she, man. Yeah, man, they do. No, they do. With she that was, leather long boots. She was and the, initially. Sh- the fur collar and stuff. She was initially shocked when I told her, but when she got to the caravan, she realised that it's, it's a very it's a pimped out caravan. So it's a, it's a pimped pimp down ca- caravan. Pimp down. Yeah, no, it's definitely Wait, pimped it's my not, caravan. It's not the, a caravan from Lockstock, is it? Yeah, it's a static caravan. Yeah, it's a th- but it's man. Wait, hold on, hold on. It's three. Lockstock, do it's, maybe lockstock. Oh my, of course I do, man. Of course. <laughs> no, it's three bedroom, two bathroom, double glazing. Okay, three bedrooms in a caravan. Oh yeah, it's thirty-eight foot by fourteen foot. So it's on wheels. It's on. It's got two wheels. You can move How it with. How big a ch- are these rooms? 
I mean, the, the, right, it's the king room, the, the you know, the, the room with a double bed. You can walk around the double bed. It's a full-size double bed. It's got an ensuite bathroom. You've got two other little rooms, and they've got these sort of very thin single beds in them, mm-hmm. tiny, weird beds. And then the living room has got a huge L-shaped, L-shaped sofa that fits about 15 people on it. Oh. It's big. Sounds big. better than my place. It, this, it I'm is, a, wait a yeah. minute, how much did that caravan cost? I bought it with my mum, and it was 36 grand. Do you have to pay like a tax or So you pay a site fee. So where, if you imagine these these American trailer trashy lock stock fight, so it sits on a piece of concrete. You have to put a piece of concrete and you essentially pay rent for the concrete. And that's about 200 a month. Really? Electricity is about, I can tell you because I've got the bill today, it's like, I mean, nothing. And you're on gas bottles, so. You know, this, everything that's going on now, I'm sort of sitting on the, and it's, and it's by the beach. It's a two minute walk from the beach, south coast. I can see the Isle of Wight. On a good day, I think I can see France, but I'm not sure. Well, um, you sound happy. I'm I happy. Just, I'm just waiting to the Russian but lady to get there. <laughs> and then, uh... No, she's been Sally, if we're calling her Sally. She's been back and forth 10 times in the last oh, couple okay. of years. She's got her own, we turned one of the bedrooms into a study for her. Yeah, we're, you know, it's, it's her place as well. What does Sally do? Sally is a music curator, so she's like oh, a, she produces music events and yeah. Oh, so you're both in the same game. Sort of, yeah. Now, okay, you said about composing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about composing because I don't really know much about it. I did interview the. Is composing like a conductor? No, so conductors. You interviewed a conductor. Yeah, nice. it's a London Philharmonic Orchestra and the Italian Philharmonic Orchestra. Interesting. That was quite a good interview. Cool. About 40 minutes. Wow, nice. Really long journey. He talks about growing up and he's born in Italy but brought up partly in America and England and wow. you know, all of that stuff. And oh man, you get some stars. Oh, oh. I feel lame in comparison to that. No, just you're, you're doing your drumming thing, you're doing your <laughs> composer. It's all good. And stuff. <laughs> so no, like the, the composing thing, the simple thing, like when I tell people I'm a composer, the first thing they say, okay, do you write for film? Do you write for video games? Do you write for adverts? And the answer to all of those things is no. I, Up until now, I write for orchestras. Okay. So like I have a commission from an orchestra and they want a new piece for a concert. And so I sit down pen and paper style and bosh out a, you know, six. So wait, you have a commission from an orchestra. They want a new piece for a what? For like a concert, so they, concert. Okay. yeah, they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're doing some, you know, some of the classics, some of the Beethovens, etc, etc, and they'll also add a new piece by a new young composer, mm. and in that case it's occasionally people like me. So it's like, we're talking like Swan Lake, stuff like that? Yeah, but more contemporary, more, more, if you imagine, okay, if you imagine Swan Lake slowed down a hundred times, or woozy. Well, every time I think of Swung Lake, I don't think of music, I think of some women in a leotard. Of course you do. Jumping yeah. around with a frilly, fluffy skirt yeah, or whatever that thing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some guy in tights throwing her in the air. Yeah. I don't know how, that is amazing how they manage to stand on their toes. Man. Yeah, I know. Oh man, ballet, that's a whole nother thing. You want to interview a ballet dancer, God. I have. You have? Yeah, <laughs> I think I, yeah, she's the, uh, She's won an awards, this belly dancer, when she was younger. Now she's like all on some drugs. She takes a lot of drugs. But before, yeah, when she was younger, she was doing really well. Huh? Yeah. People all got all kind of stories. Crazy. Wow, <laughs> man. Thanks so, what does the future hold for you? What does the future hold? So in the next year, I'm doing 
well, somewhere around here, actually, you'll see... We're in Peckham when he says round here. Oh, Peckham, yeah. Somewhere around here or nearby, you'll be driving one day in the middle of the summer between June and July and you'll look to your left and you'll see that there's a static caravan sitting in the park. What the hell is that? And it'll be there for two weeks and it'll be an art installation made, directed by me. So you will you be living in that caravan? Uh, no. There will be... I bet you will be. I look at it, your face. You're no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not allowed legally, but no. Yeah, so see, look, look, see. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's busted uh, already, man. Yeah, yeah, of course, man, of course. Don't let him pick him, was um, it? Summit Council here it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm doing a project with uh, the Spitalfields Festival. It's an art festival in Spitalfields. And it goes in the middle of the, in the common... It will go somewhere, yeah. It will go somewhere. Park. We're still talking to venues. It's not confirmed but yeah I'm doing like a kind of live installation public art project inside a caravan with some performers and yeah it will be that what else I got an album coming out with a wonderful label in Brighton in January what's that called it's called well I can't believe I'm saying this on some kind of public forum but it's called becoming a beach angel it's an electronic dance album oh is it yeah have you got a sample on your phone I do, but I'm not going to play it to you on recording, but I'll play it to you after. <laughs> okay. uh, it's, it's not finished, man. It's not finished. Like, it's it's okay. all ready to go, but there'll be an EP and then an album, and then I will tour it. I'll play, and this brings us full circle, live on drums. Yeah, is, is that your first album? It's my first album, yeah. Okay, so how's the journey been creating it? How oh, long amazing. Has it taken? It's been amazing. It's been pure bliss. I realised that through 10 to 15 years of making music, this is my absolute calling as an artist. And who are you going to dedicate this album to, your dad or your mum? Mm. you say, mum, I love you, or dad, I told you I'd do it. <laughs> no, neither. Sorry, mum and dad. No, it will be dedicated to Christine, who is my neighbour, who also has a caravan. And she is a wonderful old lady and a good friend, and she's inspired me. Oh, she's put out the drum banging all day. All day. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's just great. And because, you know, because I'm a caravan guy. And if anything, I'll dedicate this album to, to caravans. It sounds weird, but until you go to a static caravan and you spend a weekend at the beach in a caravan, you just don't get it. It's the future of living, man. It's the future of living. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> that works for you. I'm sure this has taken a weird turn, sorry. I've got, I've, no, it doesn't, we just let the conversation flow. <laughs> From all your experience in the music industry, yeah, mm -hmm. what would you be your advice to your 16-year-old self? Get into a routine of making music every single day. Learn how to copy the people you love and make what they make. And then after that, don't listen to anyone else. Don't listen to what anyone else tells you make what you make and finally don't make music unless you have something true to say okay. if you don't have anything to say do something else and on the flip side what would you say to an, a young 16 year old who wants to get into music because that's different from what you'd say to yourself i would say don't get caught into just the things you like listen to music from all over the world from every generation yeah so that's what i would say to a young musician is listen 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 like and do not close yourself off maybe you like punk maybe you like r&b that's all great that music is great but listen to gagaku japanese court music listen to 
West African music, listen to French Parisian chanson, listen to Beethoven, listen to techno, listen to everything. Listen, 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 listen. Okay. That's all I'd say. That's good. And just going, as we talked about circles, mm-hmm. who do you reckon is going to win, Russia or Ukraine? I hope Ukraine, and I think at this point every Russian probably hopes Ukraine, considering what's happening, you know. I've spoken to a couple of Russians, quite a few Russians, and I wouldn't say they share your sentiment. All I'll tell you, you all I'll I'll say just quickly though is, if you speak to Russians who either think or hope that Russia will win the war, then you should drop them off at the side of the street because they are sick. Well, you know what, it's interesting, everybody's got their point of view and their reasons. Yeah, It's a bit like Mandela. You had British people, Thatcher being one of them, who hated him. I, he was a freedom fighter yeah. for, do you say I mean? Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. And it's interesting when I hear different stories, everybody's stories, because someone is telling me that the, what he told me, he's half Russian and half English. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how certain villages in Russia are being bombed by the Ukrainians now. Not true. I don't know. But this is what he said. No, it's not true. I'm just telling you what he said. It's absolutely not true. All I'll say is that I do... What I understand is that the Russian regime has done incredibly well to convince people that there are Nazis in another country that they need to... that they need to annihilate. But if we look at history, if we look at the Mm -hmm. German invasions and we look at what Hitler was saying, he was saying the same thing. And if we look at Stalin, they were saying the same thing. It's the same playbook. What Mm -hmm. fascism does is it convinces people that there is an aggressor that needs to be annihilated, but it comes from nowhere. Where this war came from is that Putin believes that Ukraine is not a country. He believes they are not a people and he believes they need to be exterminated in the name of the great Soviet Union that okay. he That's is here to save and restore. And it's crazy. It's okay. crazy. It's interesting. I used to work with Russians and Ukrainians mm. on the ships. And oh, yeah. uh, the, it's quite interesting because I think there's an issue in Georgia at the time. Oh, yeah. And the chief engineer, his brother was killed. So oh, they had to get off. The captain was Russian, the rest of the crew was Ukrainian, but the chief officer said everybody to the young, everybody must speak Russian because the captain doesn't want to hear Ukrainian language on this ship. The younger Ukrainians all said they are Ukrainians, the older Ukrainians all said they're Russian, and the captain said if you're not born in Russia, you're not Russian. So I like, this is an interesting thing. <laughs> I'm just going to stand over here and do my job. Yeah, totally. And let you lot do your thing. <laughs> but what springs to mind in what you said yeah. about regime and fascism and uh, there's a bad people who need to be dealt with. Afghan, Iraq, Syria. Do you see what I mean? So I kind of think, eh, are we any different as a nation? Because we remember oh, there's a million, yeah. there's a million I... Christians in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Before Man, we got I, there, and yeah. there was a quarter of a million left when we left. I think what I've learned from this situation, this situation with the war, yeah. and from the wisest, and I'm not really the the wisest person I have been watching throughout this is is my wife. And the main reason for me saying this, she rather than getting involved in any of the choirs on Facebook or people, you know, the immediate oh people who rant and rave, rant and rave, and one side or the other, she has spent the last six months silently trying to understand what her position is trying to understand not both sides equally but trying to understand why this would happen what her role is in just 
doing the right thing mm-hmm. and what I've learned is yeah off the back of what you just said like no every country's got blood on its hands it's interesting when you say that because I've since I've been podcasting I've had to learn to curb my opinion on things and and I'm a very opinionated person and one of the reasons you have to curb your opinion because you have to allow the other person to speak but more importantly you don't really know what you think you know yeah, it's true. Do you see what I mean? It's very true. So just kind of shut up. You got two ears and one mouth. So you listen twice as much as you talk. Yeah. Just listen and learn, and things. So I've listened to a lot of Russian people. Mm. I've listened to Ukrainians. They've got in the car and they've been, you know, oh, it's really bad. They're kind of looking for sympathy, kind of thing. But one thing I did hear, on this is on the news and some documentary, and it was a BBC documentary, and it was how Clinton and Putin. We're having a conversation and he said Putin said how about if we join NATO and Clinton virtually insulted him like you're never going to join NATO and I thought well that kind of defeats the object because if you keep your even if you go by the principle keep your friends close but your enemies closer but if you're all on the same team there's no one to fight anymore and mm. um, if you told now because you've told him now you've told him you're going to be the enemy no matter what he's going to do what he wants to do so this is why I kind of look at a we're partly to blame. Even though that's just Clinton, but we always side with the Americans on things. So we need to look at more about bringing peace totally. than the thing. And also as an ex-military person, I know there's a lot of weapon testing now going on. And that's where the big business comes in and that's why he's pushed it, Boris, I believe, because all of his mates are going to be making money and he's going to get his backhanders later on. Mm. Where can people find you? Where can they find me? Yeah, if they want to hear your music, just remind them, so we're closing uh, up now. Soundcloud. Soundcloud. For now. Your name on Soundcloud? Oh, Cameron Graham. Spell? Uh, C-A-M-E-R-O-N-G-R-A-H-M. But in January, look out for the album by Poet Mechanic, Becoming a Beat Changer. Well, thanks a lot for that, and we wish you well. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day, as well as vlogging on our social media channels. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.